RadioInfluence.com. Alrighty, what's happening, peeps? We got a little different, little different one today. I'm trying to diversify a little bit. You know what I mean? Uh, not just sports, sports and entertainment, and maybe even something a little bit different. So this one is interesting. My guest on the Rock Stops here is Jesse Cage. Cage Cult. What is Cage Cult? Who the hell is Jesse Cage? Jesse Cage. It is is a, an accomplished rock. DJ, I should just say disc jockey because he's done other formats and he has always gotten good ratings. He was really strong on 98 Rock in Tampa Bay. It's a powerhouse. It's been successful for so long. Uh, Jesse Cage, rock, badass, good man, uh, husband, loves his listeners just wasn't behind the microphone. He would go out and if he was doing appearances, he would talk to his listeners and, 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 you know, hang with them. And I think that's part of the reason why he was successful. He also was a DJ in Atlanta. And then because of the way the business is, he said, you know what? He started thinking, what am I going to do? I'm still a young man, still a young man. What am I going to do? I want to be successful. His father gave him great advice in whatever you do. You do it to the best of your ability. I'm telling you, I'm learning by doing these rock stops here. I love it. Meeting a variety of people that have been successful, might have had to change careers, and that's what Jesse had to do. It ain't easy. Have you had somebody tell you, hey, man, you should, you should, you, you know what? You know what? That's a dead end career. You got to get into something else. Oh, okay. Boom. I think, uh, let me go, uh, Google. I'll do this. Boom. And you're going to be successful? No, it doesn't work like that. So, he gets into real estate. How many real estate agents do you know? Almost everybody that I know on the side. I got my real estate license because of the way the real estate business is just out of control right now. But he is thriving and it isn't that long of a time and he puts 100% effort into everything he does. So I went, I met his beautiful wife. We went to his nice little house in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida beautifully decorated they got their act together uh jesse and his wife and so without further ado jesse cage badass rock and roll cage cult and now very successful realtor tell me about it jesse Alrighty, Jesse Cage, Cage Cult. Congrats on the branding that you have done. He was a rock and roll DJ that made it to the top major market and now is so successful as a realtor. The one, the only, Cage Cult, Jesse Cage. Jesse, how you doing, my man? Rock, I'm awesome, man. I appreciate you having me on. This is when you hit me up, I was like, what the hell you want to talk to me for, oh, man? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I'm trying to just not be like that sports guy. Everybody thinks that I'm not Non-stop sports, not that, but any, but anyway, but anyway, yeah, congrats on your success. Thank you. Um, it, you know, we'll start, you know, I want to start and how you started and boy, oh boy, it's a tough business, but really making the transition for what you did as a rock DJ and successful and now to get over into real estate, it's kind of hard to make a transition like that. Was it not Jesse? Yeah. So I did radio. And I, it's even hard to even fathom this. I did radio for just about 25 years because I started when I was in high school. 
I had a buddy who was doing a show. He's like, hey, man, it's like this late night show. Do you want to come on the show? I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I go over there. I end up meeting the program director, doing some stuff with them. And again, still in high school. Uh, I kept doing that into college. Um, in college, I dropped out two years in. I'm still doing the radio gimmick, but I wanted to be a pro wrestler at the same time. So I moved to Tampa and trained with Dean Malenko. No, no, no. I didn't know this. <laughs> we were going to get into your passion for pro wrestling. And yeah, I man. just thought it was as a Mark, a, yeah. a jabroni. Yeah, uh, no, total you, Mark and a jabroni. There's no doubt about that. I had no idea. Yeah, I I trained. Um, I, I lasted a little bit. I never, I, I busted my knees up playing football in high school. So, uh, you know, people can say professional wrestling is fake or anything they want to say, get in the ring, take one bump. And then your, your uh, mind is going to change when it comes to that. And I was living in an ice bath every single night and, uh, just decided I didn't want to be on the road for three at that point again, cause you're going back, uh, you know, before that the schedule is easy now, but it's easier than it was then, uh, especially to get going and to be on the road for 300, 350 days a year, you know, there's just, it wasn't going to be for me. Um, and I knew I had radio. So I went back and I, Dove head first in a radio in West Palm. And again, that was a long, long time ago. And and here we are in Tampa all these years later. Oh my God. I before I forget, because I have Anheuser's, so sure. I will forget. <laughs> but the the Brian Knobs mm-hmm. was uh, half of the nasty boys. And oh, yeah. he's a character. He's a good man. He's had some health issues, but he can he can get loud and boisterous after so many beers. And he used to have Nastyville School of Wrestling in Clearwater. And I used to go over there. And you see the like WWE or AEW, mm-hmm. or even the top independents, they make it look easy. Oh, and it's like, I'm there for practice watching and okay. And he's like, all right, today we're doing chairs. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they're practicing and they're missing and like, no, you got to hit them here. And then one day nobody was around and I went in the ring and I just took a, a bump myself and I'm like, Dan, that hurts. Yeah. And it's no, when they say, Oh, it's fake. Oh, it's scripted. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. There's some of the best athletes. Absolutely. And toughest in the world. What? Look, if the outcome is determined, absolutely. But that doesn't take away from what it takes to do what they do in that ring. It doesn't take away from, look, you can't fake falling from a ring onto a concrete floor. You can't fake those things. And even the ring, people are like, oh, it's a trampoline and it's bouncy. Okay, that ring is wood. That ring is ply or is uh, is two by fours all the way across, and then all the way the other way. And when I was training at Malenko's, he had two rings in there, and this is when he was at WCW. So he would use a you know a couple of those rings, and you're talking about airline cable was the ring ropes, not ropes. It was airline cable wrapped in tape and the lines that that would leave on your back. Eventually you kind of, you, you, you got into it and the, the bruising uh, wasn't as bad every time. But I remember the first time hitting the ropes, you could see those ropes across my back. I remember the first back bump I ever took in that ring. I was like, I may have made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So, and we'll, we'll circle back yeah. because of, and I know you, anyway, we'll, we'll, we'll do that. All right. So you're down in the Palm beach area. You're doing yeah. uh was it nights at first and was it rock and roll radio, a legit station or yeah. were some of the first starts in small market radio? So Okay. So my very first air shift, and this is, and man, we'll open a can of worms here and that may be a podcast for another day, because if you know me and you see the way I've, uh, 
And I don't want to say just portrayed myself in the rock world because it is me. You know, radio is me plus 10 percent, whatever. Uh, but I actually started in Christian radio. No. Yes, it was a Christian heavy metal show. <laughs> of all things. And uh, I started that's that was my my humble beginnings. Uh, and it was funny because that was on a uh, like a, a hot AC Christian radio station that they gave us those that time on Saturday night. It was called Under Midnight. And we did, you know, a couple hours. But the program director liked my style. He liked what I was doing. So all of a sudden he's like, do you want to do weekends? I'm like, you know, not rock stuff. And he goes, yeah. So I'm playing uh, DC talk and Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant. And here I am in Metallica t-shirts and hair down to my waist. Uh, from there jumped in, I started doing overnights at now. This is when I, you know, a bigger hundred thousand watt radio station, you know, the big time right, time. Right. And I'm doing overnights for a mix station. So now I'm playing in sync in Britney Spears in my Metallica shirt <laughs> and my long hair down to my waist. I love it. You know, went from there, uh, you know, look, talent in radio and it's something that'll never go away. If you have talent, and this is not to you know, you know, stroke my own ego, but I, I was not good then, but I, I formulated a way to sound good and, and to, to become good. Right. But if you always improved, especially then when you could start an overnights and cut your teeth, right. and really get going. I improved quickly. I did overnights for six months. Uh, I went immediately to middays. Wow. Uh, so I'm doing middays, uh, ended up, uh, from there, that station got blown up. You know, radio, you of know, course. doesn't matter. Oh, you know, yes. you could be number one station flips. You're done. So, mm -hmm. uh, I, I left West Palm. I got a gig in Miami. Uh, I was doing nights at FLC in Miami, an adult contemporary radio station. So, so I'm spinning Celine Dion. <laughs> and again, and when I got there, that station was 18th place at night. Uh, in my first year there, we were top five. You know why? It's because I was a young kid with long hair and those 40 year old women. Now, then when I say 40 year old women now, isn't that funny? You know, because I'm 44 now. So, isn't that like, funny? those 40 year old women, they loved me, man. They Milf. absolutely loved me. Exactly. Those milfs. I'd go out to gigs and they're all rubbing my hair. And oh, it's fantastic. You know, I um, wanted to. Okay. So, at this level where you're at now, now you're younger than I am. So, you're. I don't know if this at that time mm -hmm. you, and again, you're happily married now and all mm -hmm. this. And at that time, were you single? Uh, I was engaged at that uh, time. Okay. Cause I was going to ask, you know, they love the DJ. <laughs> yep, you got the voice and then you got the hair and you're cool. And was that still a thing? Oh. Uh, okay. I'm okay. No, okay. So at 44, I, would consider my generation of radio, the guys who are say 40 to 50. Uh, we are the, the last of the Mohicans when it comes to what radio used to be, you know, to, you know, I can even think back to even when I got to 98 rock in 2005 or whenever I got there um, that we were still having fun radio. Right. Awesome. And I, and awesome. you know, I don't want to go too into look, we were having fun and radio, uh, unfortunately is not really fun anymore. They've kind of taken the fun out of it. Right. Um, you know, all these corporations coming in and just all the mandates on everything. And, um, you know, not to mention not wanting to pay us anything anymore. Um, right. you know, it, uh, it just changed and it right. changed, you know, 
Uh, did, did produce, did music uh, people come through and try to offer you stuff? Or you, that wasn't in your era. And they would offer a lot of different stuff to I, get I, their stuff played, I, maybe. No. There were uh, there were deals that I saw that I won't talk about, uh, you know. But yeah, of course. Of wow. course, I, w- I was privy to those things. Um, you know, I... I can honestly say I was never bought. Um, I, I always wanted to, it's all about integrity and not to get too deep, but even it doesn't matter what you do, have integrity with what you do. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if you don't have integrity, especially in the world of radio, uh, when you're trying to convince all these people to listen to you, to trust you, if you don't have integrity, they're going to see through it. If you're not real, they're going to see through it. And I think one of the reasons the Cage Cult show, even when I was doing top 40 radio all the way up through my rock days, you know, with the last 15 years was rock. Um, they, the audience knew I was who I was. You know, there was no BS about it. I was always honest. Um I would, unlike a lot of radio people, I would let you try to get me. Like if you, if you, if you thought you were smarter than me on the air, or if you thought you could get me, I'm not just going to hang up during a conversation or an argument. I'm going to give you an opportunity. And I think the audience really respected the fact that I allowed them. And look, if you beat me, I would give it to you. Now, didn't happen often. It didn't happen. But if you could beat me, if you, if you could get you, I got you. I'd give it to you. And I think the audience appreciated the fact that they knew when they came, they listened to the Cage Cult show that they were getting the straight up S. They are getting exactly who I am. Again, of course, it's amped up because it's sure, radio. Sure, sure. Uh, but they knew that when when you met me at a gig, right. man, that's Jesse Cage, right? Right. And I think that what that's that's what led to the success of what we did because. It wasn't like, you know, there's some DJs who, you know, they would go out and they would do things and they'd sit in the booth in the corner. You couldn't get close to them. Meanwhile, I'm going to shows. And as soon as I get off stage, you know, bring a Metallica on stage in front of 30,000 people. As soon as I get off stage, did I go and go backstage? Did I go to a VIP booth? No. I walked my happy ass out around the crowd to the very top, to the last row at the Emily or to the very, the very edge of the grass at the amphitheater and touched every single one of those people. And I think that's why we were successful. And I made sure anybody who was on my team, whether, you know, when Lauren, when I had Lauren O'Neill, who was doing amazing things still in radio in Chicago, you know, we, I just instilled in, in, in my team that we are the show of the people and we are not going to hide behind VIP passes. We're not just going to hang out backstage. We're not, we're going to, we are just, I'm a, I'm a lucky son of a bitch who had a microphone. Right. That was it. And I think that cut through. I think Without it really doubt. cut through. They can feel that. They can feel that. They can see that. That's why. That's why. Okay. So you're down, you're down in Miami. Mm-hmm. You're, you're kicking ass. How do you make it to, before you got to 98 rock, mm-hmm. I would say that, that was a good, a really, really good stretch. But 97 yeah. X was an alternate mm-hmm. rock station. Yeah. But were you already in Tampa for the wrestling thing? And then you got the gig nope, or no, what happened? You had I, gone I, back. I had gone back. Uh, left, uh, when I left wrestling, went back to West Palm, did West Palm, did Miami, went back to West Palm, uh, where I met John O'Connell, who I know we, we both know Johnny very well. Okay. So I met John when he was at huge. the Buzz. That's huge. Okay. So he had me doing overnight to the Buzz just to get me into rock radio. I see. Uh, and then he called Shark over at 97X. Uh, he's like, I got this kid who I think would be good for your night job. That's I huge. Came over, got the 97X gig, was there for what, 
four years, three or four years. And then boom. Uh, yeah. How did it go from <laughs> there? Diff- this is a different company. So yeah. market, how did this happen? So, uh, me and Shark at the time, where we were really good friends for a long time, um, we had a little f- falling out. We didn't see eye to eye on some stuff, um, and I didn't have a contract at ninety seven X. It got out that I was potentially talking to other people because I had a really I had a successful show at ninety seven X, doing nights and then doing afternoons, going kind of back and forth. And that was kind of a sticking point because Shark kept saying, Hey, you're gonna do afternoons uh-huh. and it just wasn't coming to fruition where it was a full time, you know, gotcha. they kept putting me back and forth. I'm like, all right, guys, this ain't gonna work for me. I knew that Killer Brew over at 98 Rock was going to be uh, coming off afternoons. I was friends with Double Down over there because they approached me. They're like they like what they like they loved what I was doing. Uh, when they first approached me, I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm happy because I have my relationship with Shark. And a couple of things went south. And again, Shark and I are great friends now. We talk all the time. Uh, bygones, bygones, you grow up, right? Um, so they blew me out. They knew that I was going to uh, I potentially leave. I so uh, they jumped a gun and blew me out. Um, I don't know exactly why it went down that way. Um, but again, it's all in the past. Uh, and 98 Rock picked me up immediately. Thank God they did. And Sometimes I, you never know. Like, yeah, oh, you don't. They're, they're, yeah. They're going, oh, corporate said no. What? That's what? exactly right. Thank God. That must have been nerve wracking. I was, uh-huh. I was crapping my pants, Rock. I was crapping <laughs> my pants. But it, it worked out. I mean, clearly it worked out. Um, and we went in and we kicked ass for all sorts of years at 98 Rock, man. Now, 98 Rock. And then you make a transition to sports, hot talk yeah. uh, with Kirk. It mm-hmm. was at 98.7 The Fan. Yep didn't make it. They didn't, they just didn't have any teams and all that, that, that. Yeah. But did you already, were you looking to make a move into kind of talk because you had a really strong gig at 98 rock. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we were, we were kicking all sorts of ass. Um, but again, in radio, uh, if you don't try to define your worth, they sure as hell ain't going to give it to you. Um, and when I went to 98 rock, cause they got me on the cheap when I went to 98 rock because I had just lost my gig. So I told them, I go, I'll sign this deal, but it's going to be better next time. I go, because I'm going to be number one next time. And lo and behold, I was number one next time. Uh, and they slightly bumped and we went through multiple, I was there multiple years, so multiple contracts. Um, and then the last deal, I was I was number one and they did not want to meet the money that I wanted. I end up running into, let's, you know, mm-hmm. look in with John O'Connell. Uh-huh. I uh, end up running into Johnny. He was living in my apartment apartment complex when he moved over to run the fan. Wow. And I had no idea who was even my apartment complex. The the, the garage or the garage, the uh, elevator opens and there's John and Patty. I'm like, what the hell is going you on right gotta now? gotta be kidding and me. And we just, you know, picked up right where we left off. Gotcha. Uh, him and I always, always had a great relationship. He goes, hey, we're doing this thing. Uh, and I go, well, I would love to talk about that because my contract was uh, I was in my grace period, you know, that 60 days where I was able to talk to other companies. I was like, love to talk, sat down with them uh, at CBS at the time, and they uh, they made me an offer I couldn't refuse. Uh, <laughs> and uh, had it all worked out, that would have been great. And it, look, we had a lot of fun for the short amount of time we were there. Uh, Beasley came in and didn't have the view of sports radio here. Um right. 
have done a million different things since then. Right. Again, talk about staying in the market. Something I they pulled they pulled me back over, and you know they did the Bubba experiment. Yes, uh, Bubba the Love Sponge, yep. the Bubba ninety eight seven or whatever. That, yeah. So then, no and, rules rock. <laughs> so they had me come back over for No Rules Rock, and we did that for a minute. Bubba was still doing mornings. Um, you know, Bubba is Bubba. You know, I've I always got along fine with Bubba. I ain't gonna slag Bubba, but you know, he could rub certain people the wrong way, and certain people got rubbed, and that station got blown up. So lo and behold, once again, I'm at the butt end of that. But and, you end up in Atlanta. Yeah. So I was going to leave the business after that one. I was like, you know what, man? I it's see. been a fun ride. I see. I've done everything. I've made the money. It's great. Life is cool. Let's just move on to see what's next. My agent calls and he goes, hey, I know you know you want to be done. He goes, but um, Atlanta wants to talk. And now that's a, you know, you know it's a big, big time. Mm-hmm. Atlanta's a big, big market. They mm-hmm. want you to do afternoons. I was like, okay. So I am, I'll never forget this. I'm on vacation. I'm doing a tour of the Southeast. Me and my wife, Crystal, we're just driving around. Um, I go, because again, I didn't, I didn't want the gig. Interesting. But that I wanted, I but I wanted, you, you never say no. My dad always told me, you never, you always take the meeting, right? You always do, regardless. That's a good point. So I go, listen, I'm going to be in Atlanta on Friday. If they can do lunch on Friday, I'll take the meeting. If they can't do lunch on Friday, I'm out. Wow. And my agent called back. He goes, okay, so Friday at noon, they're going to meet you at this pizza place across the street from the station. Uh, meet him up. So I go over, I meet him, loved him. Greg Austin was my program director there. Um, Sean Shannon runs the building who I, I have nothing nice to say about anymore. And that's, we'll get to the end of that here in uh-huh. a second. But I get there. Um, I, I've, I've never played it so fast and loose rock. I was so fast and loose. Um, I'm pretty sure uh, I, I I said the C word, like <laughs> the third word in. And I'm like, man. And I get ready to leave. And, I, and they're like, well, what do you want to do? And I was like, well, what do you want to do? And they're like, well, we'll call your agent. I go, we'll call my agent. And I'll see you guys later. Maybe. They call my agent, work out a deal. Boom. I go up there again. Radio is, uh, the land of, uh, of, 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 of promises that are never fulfilled. Uh, they promised me all sorts of things that didn't happen. Uh, I was there for a couple of years and, uh, I was getting again, my, my itch to not do radio anymore. Yeah. Not that I was doing bad radio cause I did right, really right. good radio there. Actually some of the best radio of my life I did that last couple of years. Um, but I knew in the back of my head that it was kind of, it was winding down and, and the passion wasn't there. Uh, again, I'll put my, I'll put half of my passion against a full passion of anybody else in the business. Cause I, I, cause I believe in myself. I believe in what I did. I believe in who I was as a, as a, as a jock, more importantly, as a person. Um, and, uh, things went south there and I was like, that's it. So I, I came home, came back to Tampa, did a couple podcasts, yeah, the, the right. first match podcast, which was fun. Oh, yes. That was good. That was good. That was good. Pro you know, wrestling. Man. Yeah. A lot of great, great, guests great and all that time. Stuff. But still, you're looking, you're thinking, what's the next? Yeah. Thing? What's next? And uh, Andrew Duncan, a buddy of mine who uh, uh, owns the Duncan duo. We had a couple conversations and he's like, hey, man, he goes, you know, if you get your license, then we can use you and you can kind of just refer people to us. And then, you know, maybe, you know, if you're, if you're a licensed real estate agent, you can make a, a you know, a cut off certain things. I would go, I go, well, uh, that's awesome. I go, but if I'm going to get my license, I want to go all the way. I go, I'm not, I'm going to leave radio. I'm going to leave podcasts. I'm going to leave these microphones behind finally. And if I'm going to do it, I'm 
I'm going to go balls deep. And, (laughs) and I did, um, I, I, I went out, I took the test, you know, I did the class, I did the state exam, passed on the first try. (laughs) And, uh, and, 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 you know, that was what a year and a half ago now, almost. Wow. Give or take. Yeah. I just, and um, kind of with real estate, there's so many that get their license and they just think maybe I can make that easy sale here. I'll do yeah. everything. You have to really be, don't oh, you, you have hu- to be you committed, hustle, man. man. You've got to hustle. It, 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 there's, I don't believe in part-time real estate. Uh, you know, again, it, and that's kind of what the, the initial thing was for me. Hey, you know, kind of come in and, you know, we, we got the Jesse Cage name. We can kind of, we can use that, you know, and you can send us people and refer and make a little money. I'm like, okay, cool, cool. Um, but then again, that's not what I wanted. I wanted to go full in and rock. I was the guy when I was on doing afternoons at 98 rock, I was at the station at nine o'clock in the morning. Oh, no DJ does that. You know, I was there at nine o'clock in the morning and I left at eight o'clock at night after my shift. Um, I didn't voice track. I didn't take, you know, I didn't call it in. I was there because if you're not there, if you're not a part of it, if you're not balls deep, then don't do it. You know, my dad always told me before he passed away, he goes, look, I remember back in high school, he goes, I don't care what you do, Jesse. He goes, if you want to go flip burgers at McDonald's for a living, go do that. He goes, but you better flip the best Big Mac I've ever had. So whatever you do, do it to the best of your ability. So there's no half ass with me. And so when I did the real estate thing, I'm like, dude, okay, I'm going to jump in. Now, look, different world, man. I mean, what a you know, I had, I'm doing radio for 25 years. I've got an agent taking care of contracts. I've got this person doing that for me, that person doing that. And now, you know, I'm looking at these contracts going, I'm about to put on paper an amount of money. That'll be the biggest purchase possibly of this person's life yeah. ever. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure. I bet, you know, to make sure that that's done right. Yeah. But again, Fine tooth comb. And I would go through every line, every line. I explain every line, every line. I want everybody to know exactly what we're talking about because I know I bought houses. I know how stressful this is. Um, can it be fun? Absolutely. It can be fun. And when you have a, a, a realtor like me who like, look, like I am who I am. I'm not going to put a suit on and show you houses. I got jeans on. I got vans on and a Metallica t-shirt and let's F and go. Let's have a good time. <laughs> you know, I always say it's like the rock and real estate fantasy. I'm going to come to find that rock and real estate fantasy, but on the way we're going to have a good time doing it. And when we find that house, I'm going to take you to three daughters brewing right down the street from my house. Nice. I'm going to buy you a couple beers. Nice. And we're going to do this like real people. And be there every step of the way. Wow. And it's just, it's, it's, it's exciting, man. And I get fired up when I talk about it. Cause I just love, I love it. I love what I'm doing. I love being able to help people. Um, and I, I love to be able to make sure people are informed and they make the right decisions. Cause there are, they're, they're I'm not going to slag other agents, but there are yeah. part-time agents who yeah. they're, they're doing it because they want that quick. Hey, I can make that quick buck. Right. There's more licensed real estate agents in Florida than there are just listings. Wow. I mean, because people, I'm going to go get my real estate license. Oh, I know everybody that I know. Yeah. Got a real estate license. And that's the thing. I didn't want to be a parody of that. I didn't want to be that guy because there's people in our industry and radio. A lot of them do it because uh, real estate is about your sphere of influence. It's about who you know, because if, if, if somebody goes, Hey Rock, I was thinking about selling my house or buying my house. Well, hopefully now you're going to be like, well, my buddy Jesse Cage does it. Exactly. And it's all about word of mouth. And so obviously being in radio and having an audience and cultivating the cage cult for so long. And I still stay up on my, the cage cult Facebook page and all that stuff to make sure people know what I'm doing. And it it's worked. 
I haven't had to sit down to do, you know, a lot of agents, you know, you do the cold calling or the, mm-hmm. or, you know, the call shifts and all that stuff. Um, luckily, I haven't had to do that because it's been coming to me. And again, it's not to be arrogant. It's just because people know who I am, good or bad, and remember who I was from the radio and remember, again, what we talked about before, the integrity. Remember that I had integrity. So if I'm going to have integrity, uh, you know, telling dick and fart jokes, you damn well better believe I'm going to have integrity when it comes to making the biggest purchase of your life. Great. That's a great attitude. Yeah. I don't know if you ever heard of Ira Kaufman. He's covered uh, the NFL and sports for so long, and he's been doing it 40, I think it was like 40, 45 years. And I interviewed him at the Super Bowl. I said, Sage, what's your, what's, what's your thing? What's your takeaway, man? He's like, your word. Your word is everything and everything after that. And that's, isn't that true? Okay. So kind of, we're kind of wrapping up a little bit, but overall real estate, the way it's going now, we're located here in Tampa Bay, Florida, which is an unbelievably hot market. But I have people around the country like same thing. Oh my God, it's 10,000 more than what it's listing for this and that. Everybody thinks the bubble is, it can't continue at this pace. People lost jobs. What do you, what do you think, Jesse? You're, what are you seeing? So as far as the bubble, and that's what I get all the time. You know what? I'm, I'm going to wait until next year. I'm going to buy next year when this bubble bursts because I'm not going to pay these prices. Okay. Let's be honest. You and I, straight up, eye to eye. If you wait till next year to buy, what you're doing is assuring you're going to have a higher interest rate. That's what you're assuring. Prices are not coming down. We will peak at some point. I would say sometime in the next year, we'll peak. Okay. But instead of 2008, where we peaked and then had that big crash and the bubble burst, right? Uh, that can't happen. We don't have inventory for that to happen. So what we're seeing is we're still going up. You know, the last quarter, we went up another six and a half percent. I was just reading that. So don't quote me on that exactly, yeah, 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 but yeah, yeah, yeah. give or take. Yeah. You know, we're trending up, trending up, trending up. Yeah, we're going to hit the top of that roller coaster at some point, but there is no drop at the end of that roller coaster because there's no inventory for that drop to happen. And what's happening is people are like, well, I don't want to buy now because, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to have less equity in my home. Well, it's not. You're going to sit up here. So you buy now, you're still in the right place to buy. And when you buy when it peaks, well, you're going to be there. You're not going to have as much equity in the top. But again, they will be raising the rates. These historically under 3% rates cannot last. I see. So the, that's the risk that you're running right now. If you're like, I'm going to wait, Jesse, I'm going to wait for this bubble to burst. I'm going <laughs> to grab all these foreclosures. First off, let's talk about the foreclosures really fast. Yes. The foreclosures. Will some of those happen because of the forbearance and everything that's you know expiring? Of course it will. Um, but it's not going to be if you are looking for that $400,000 house, right? It's not that because you got to remember all those people, most people, even if you defaulted on your loan for a few months, mm-hmm. uh, that didn't mean that your equity in your home stopped going up. It's just the opposite. We saw it skyrocket. So even if you defaulted, why would you foreclose when you could sell and still probably walk away with some money, Great. even though you didn't pay Good for point. a few months? Good point. So, and then with the foreclosure, we've got all these investors that are coming in with cash and they're going to jump in. They're going to, they're going to pick those things up I again, see. making it so that inventory never has a chance to, to grow. Ah. So look, will inventory come back? It has to, everything is cyclical. Of course it will come back. I'm not saying this is it forever, 
But if you're looking and you're like, I'm going to wait till next year. Again, the one thing that you're changing is your interest rate ain't going to be sub three. I see. You know, I see. So it's, you know, keeping an eye on the market, keep an eye. Yes. It's taking some time, some, at some points to find the right home, because if you're not going in and willing to waive certain things, appraisals, inspections, which please do not waive inspections ever. And that's a podcast for another day. Yeah. But make sure, you know, just, you keep that eye out. You're going to find the one. You're going to find the one. And when you have a guy who talked for a living and still talks for a living, I'm going to be the guy that's going to win it for you. So that's that's the bottom line when it comes how to can, let's, end, let's end on this. And and uh, how can anyone that is now they heard this, they, they're like, I got I got to I got to use him. man. what's the best way to get a hold of you? Is it your social media? Yeah. Thing? I mean, if you you can look up at Jesse Cage on just about everything, uh, but I'm going to give you my personal cell phone number right now. Oh, wow. Personal man. cell phone. number. Wow. Wow. Seven, two, seven. Seven four two nine six nine four seven two seven seven four two nine six nine four. That is my personal phone number. Is my personal phone in my hand right now? Please, if you're looking to sell, if you're looking to buy, give me a call. Even if you just have a question and you're like, you know what, Jesse, I don't want to do it until next year. Okay, cool, man. But let's have that conversation, and I'd be more than happy to set you up on an MLS search. So it just every time something new goes on the market. And it hits your mail, your inbox. Cool, man. You like it? Let me know. You don't like it? Well, then just move on to the next email. I'm sure there's a, a coupon from Chili's waiting for you. <laughs> <laughs> He's at the top as a rock DJ and now just making it to the top as a realtor. A good man. Jesse, thank you. Hey, thank you, brother. Thank you, Jesse. You know, that that really is amazing to me. I, I really uh, give Jesse a lot of credit. How many of us would be able to change careers totally different than what we've been doing for decades and then turn it around, brand new field, he goes into real estate, totally different than being in radio and being a disc jockey, and goes in 110% and is successful. How about that? And like he said, he used to have an agent that would do all of his contracts. And now he's doing all this paperwork, you know, just starting out. And he said that, you know, there are couples, this is their biggest, you know, biggest financial hit in their lives. And you want to make sure that you don't screw anything up. And he's learned it on his own and he's taken off. And now he's got a new a realty company that he's working for. He gave you out his home number. So I I really am. I'm really uh, unbelievably like uh, just amazed and and give him credit because there's many of us that have been in broadcasting or whatever field it is. And there's been cutbacks and it's not the same. And it's hard when you're older and you have to think about what you're going to do and then go do it and then learn it on your own. I mean, you got a little help along the way. Really? So it's incredible. Jesse Cage. Good job, man. It was an honor to sit down with you in your house. And uh, it's, you know, it's inspiring. It's inspiring. Best of luck to you, man. All right. What do we got going on? Hey, the big story. Now, I was... I was wrong on this one, and it's Jake Paul. I know there are so many of you that can't stand him. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But the more that I have delved into Jake Paul and really studying this guy, it there's an, here's another story. You've got to give credit where credit is due. He had his fight last week against Tyron Woodley, and, I mean, I, I can't understand it. Like, 
Tyron Woodley was a UFC champion. Now, I know that it's not boxing. It's more grappling. But there is a boxing element to it. And if you are a world-class champion like Tyron Woodley was, he's not always, oh, he's so old. He's so old. How old? Look at Brady's 44 years old. Tyron Woodley's not 44. What is he, 43, 42? He's in great shape. That You know, Jake Paul has only had four or five fights in his life. Like he's had no long amateur career. I've covered boxing for a long time, and most boxers have fought over 100 amateur fights before they even turn pro. So, and not only that, not only that. Now, the fight was here in the Tampa Bay area at Amelie Arena, and it was sold out. Going into this thing, I had talked with my son. I try to get a feel. I don't want to be that uh, get off my lawn guy. There's there's a lot of guys my age that are like, well, we, we it's a uh, oh, this is BS. No, no, yay, man. I mean, the public is buying it. Let me see what's going on. Let me let me see this. And so the fight was at Emily Arena, and I talked to my son, who's 24 years old. He's going to be 25 in uh, June. I think. I think. Jake Paul is a couple of months younger than my son. And Jake Paul is bordering billionaire. But anyway, so I said, Hunter, any of your friends interested in this Jake Paul fight? And he goes, nah, we're over it. We're over it. And I said, oh, because my son has a computer graphics company. He's on Twitch all the time. He gets a lot of his, you know, blah, blah, blah. Those are his friends. He's like, nah, we're kind of over it. So I thought, you know what? There's really not much of a buzz. It was supposed to be Fury. And uh, there's not much of a buzz for this thing. Well, I was wrong. Because I was blown away when I saw that Amelie Arena, and I have a lot of friends that were at the fight, it was packed. It was sold out. And I thought to myself, if you put some of the top middleweights, I mean, top five, world-class champ, a champ and a contender, not a Canelo Alvarez. Canelo Alvarez is the GOAT right now. But I'm talking about like top five in boxing. I doubt that they would sell out. I doubt a fight. Who, who? And there's, you know, the alphabet soup. There's so many different uh, classifications and titles. I don't think that a top, two top five boxers would sell out Amelie Arena. And here's Jake Paul in his what, fourth or fifth fight selling out. You got to give it, you got everybody talking about him. And I, so I didn't think there was that kind of buzz. I was wrong. Holy shit. And Tyron Woodley, I don't want to hear from you again. Now, after the fight, he did say that he's. it's time to put some respect on Jake Paul's name. And Jake Paul is very smart. And these guys from MMA, uh, you know, Masvidal and uh, the other one, uh, you know, they were all there because they know that they may get a big payday, you know? And the female fighter, the you know, she said, I'm a millionaire now, like Jake Paul Jake Paul, he ran the promotion. He was in charge of it. That was in Showtime. He had final say. He's got an entire uh, staff of assistants, legal team, PR department. Uh, this kid's like, he's not even 25 years old. How, you know, you I've got to give it up for him. And he's very smart. He probably will give Fury. I bet you he will give Fury because that's a real boxer, but he knows he can probably beat Tommy Fury. And I did have quite a few people tell me that they thought Woodley took a dive. And I that was a knockout punch. He knocked his ass out. He knocked his ass out. 
if if that was a dive, then he needs to get an Academy Award for being able to act and not get hit and go face down, face palm, bone, plant on the canvas. So anyway, I just wanted to say that I was surprised at the amount of interest, the amount of uh, people that I know that went to it or wanted to go to that fight. And when I saw it, it was sold out. There's somebody, there's another guy that I know that was at the fight. And when he was walking out, there was a bunch, a lot of fans that were waiting for two hours, just an hour, a good hour after the fight, just waiting for Jake Paul to come out. And you should see it. It was two or three deep is where like the Tampa Bay lighting players come in and out where they have that uh, fence up. Uh, it's just, it's, it's incredible, man. I give him a, he's a great, he's a freaking great businessman. He's got everybody talking about him. The Island boys. I don't know if you know who they are. I'm an Island boy. I'm just trying to make it. And they've got America like hating on them. You just want to like punch them out. And yet they were at the fight. And everybody that I know that was there said they got booed so badly. The one threw a shoe, they got kicked out. Then they allowed them to come back. Like it's all about, it's all about your brand and publicity, man. It's all entertainment and it's a show. You can't get pissed off. You know, they're, they're moving the needle. I wish I had a little bit more of that. I I, I honestly think that that nice guy image, uh, you do finish last. Seriously. You know, maybe <laughs> I'm doing something. I'm I'm not doing it right. But anyway, anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there that holy shit, man, Jake Paul can move the freaking needle and make money, 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 money. And he's very, very, very stinking smart. Um, something else that I've noticed now, and I, I cover the Tampa Bay Buccaneers like a glove. Everything has changed now and protocols and no more interviewing. Everything's back to Zoom. There's the, this pandemic, it's raging out of control with this new variant, which is more contagious, but not as dangerous, you know? So, but what I'm not going to get into that because that becomes a firestorm and political and everything, whatever, whatever. But I was really hoping that, that we would get, you know, this thing would go away and it's not going to go away. All right. It's not going to go away. But one thing that, that really doesn't have any, well, maybe there is something to this. I'm segueing. So Buccaneer games, NFL Buccaneer games. We all know how good the Buccaneers are. They've got the GOAT. They're the Super Bowl defending Super Bowl champions. So I've been going to games for 20 some years. And since they won their last Super Bowl and they had that run with Sapp and Lynch and, 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 uh, you know, all those guys, Rondé, and they would, you know, there was a waiting list. There were, it was a stadium all the time at Raymond James Stadium. Well, then the years were down, and I mean down, and the team sucked, and you'd have maybe 30,000, and you could drive there an hour before the game and zip right through. No problem. Now, I am going two hours before every game, and traffic has already backed up. Before I've gone two and a half hours, before the gates are opened to let fans in, and I, I'm talking opposing fans as well, they're waiting in line on the highway. It's backed up 
to get there, it's just, and it's after the game. That's the thing that's surprising me. I have been covering professional sports for 30 years. I hate to even admit that because I'm admitting my age. And I've been to World Series. I've been to the Super Bowl. I've been to uh, NBA playoffs and all the big events, you know. And these are regular season games. And now, after, and it's changed now, it's going to change because everything's going to be back. It's back on Zoom. But uh, this past season, up until now, with the protocols changing, I go, the game is over. I go down the stairs. You wait to go in the locker room. You go in, you go to an, you don't go to the locker room. I'm sorry. You go to an interview room. The head coach comes out. And then they bring out who they want to bring out. Like, in other words, if a guy really screws up, let's say a kicker misses the, 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 the field goal to win the game, or he's missed two in the game, or the quarterback has thrown three interceptions or something. Well, not the quarter. They're always going to bring out the quarterback, but they, they probably won't bring that guy out to face the music. It's just different. It's whatever the team wants to give you. But times have changed. And the Bucks do a pretty good job with this, I will say. So you do all that. Blah, blah, blah. Then you wait. Usually Brady is the last one to come out. And he's got to do other interviews before he even comes out to see us. He always apologizes. He's like, sorry for the delay, guys. He's really good. So then I go back out on the field and I'll do, uh, I do a thing for the Tampa Free Press. I work for them. And I do a little video out on the field and blah, blah, blah. And then I might say goodbyes and all that jazz. So I then go out to the stadium. And when I'm going to my car... You're talking a good hour and a half after the game. It's still a backup or bumper to bumper to get out with your car to get out and then to try to get out on Dale Mabry, which is still bumper to bumper. It blows me away. I'm like, these fans don't want to go home. What's the deal? Is this me? I don't remember this. Usually by the time you do all your interviews and you get out, you can zip right out. So I was asking a couple of guys. There's one from NFL Network, a cameraman, videographer, and his sound guy. Another from one of the local stations. And they were saying, no, no, they've noticed it too. And one of the guys was saying, maybe it's because when we had the pandemic, we're still in the pandemic, and fans weren't able to go, that they're just taking full advantage of being able to go to these games. Now, also, it's also been in the 80s, 85 degrees every day here, even though it's the holiday season. So it's hot. And I will tell you that the Dallas Cowboys fans, God dang, do they travel. And the Bills Mafia was the biggest contingent of visiting fans that I have seen in over a decade. It was a sea of blue, and they were so dang loud. And one of the guys from NFL Network was heading back to his hotel. He's a freelancer, and he's from the Orlando area. I believe this one's from the Orlando area, so he stays overnight because they work late into the night. And he got back to his hotel, which is in right by the International Mall in Tampa. It's very, really close to uh, the stadium. And it was late. I mean, you're talking maybe midnight by the time they did all their work and stuff like that. And there were Bills fans. This was a 425 game. So the game ended at 730. At midnight, there were Bills fans in the parking lot of the hotel still partying at midnight on a Sunday night 
for a 425 game. And this isn't on the, this isn't at the stadium grounds. This is at their hotel outside the parking lot. And even said to him, he goes, God dang, you guys are partying late. He goes, it's so cold where we're coming from. We're taking advantage of this uh, summer weather here. We're going to stay outside as long as we can. Cause once we fly back, it's winter time. So I, I guess it's a combination of that. Uh, Cause it, it used to be what I would notice when I would go to my car if your team got lost, you want, you didn't want to really go back and still party and hang out, but times have changed. Times have changed. And you know what? Tickets are so expensive. And again, I guess you got to just take advantage of any time that you have when you can party and go outside. Right. Let's look at it like that. All right. I'm going to wrap this bad boy up. Uh, we'll see what happens. I've got a couple of things in the can. I'm mixing it up. It's going to be either an entertainer, who's made it to the top. It could be a fan that's a super fan. It would be an athlete, a former athlete. It might be a coach. It might be a boxer. It might be a a MMA. It might be a pro wrestler. Who knows? But I'm trying to diversify. And variety is a spice of life. I got got one or two. uh, I could consider that lucky. A couple of nasty messages on social media when i had tuttle on uh tuttle was the stunt boy legendary radio stunt boy <laughs> for bubba the love spun show monsters in the morning uh ron and fez and it was like oh rock you're really hitting the bottom of the barrel you can do better than this and you know you're putting on a shock jock uh, stunt guy come on get better than this and i just i just let it go oh no 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 you know what i tried to take the high road I said, variety is a spice of life. You know, if I could get an island boy, I'm just trying to make it. If I could get one of them, I would, I would kill to not kill, but I would love to get one of them. And I would probably have so many haters. You know what? Bring it, bring it. I'm going to do my best to try to entertain you. And I love doing these interviews. I hope I can continue doing them in person because I think that they're just better. They, I think that they really are. I know a lot of media can't stand now having to go back to Zoom because you you get on Zoom, you have to hit click the thing with your hand raised. You wait, you wait, you wait. Sometimes you don't get called on. If you do, you get one question and then boom, moderator brings you to the next one. You can't do a follow up. It's just so not per, you know, oh, well, well, we got to just be happy for what we got. Right. Right, 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 right. All right, hoping you're having a great holiday season. I know it's hard on a lot of you. And uh, just make the best of it, man. Just make the best of it. But Jesse Cage, you are now an inspiration. Able to totally change careers and be successful. How about that? But you got to put into work. He didn't go into it part-time. All right, hey, you know what? Enough. I'll talk to you next week. Hey, thanks for subscribing and listening and all that jazz on The Rock Stops Here. This is an In the Trenches with Ian Beckles quick fix on Radio Influence. As someone who's played the game before, you can look at mentalities and look at the way people react to other teams. The Saints, first of all, hate us. Okay, somebody asked me the other day, who's a, the Bucks' a biggest uh, rivalry? It's the Saints. I don't even know who's the second biggest rivalry. It's the Saints, period, done, over with. I don't even know where the conversation goes from there. The Saints have beaten the Buccaneers seven straight times in regular season. Seven we, okay, we lost twice this year, twice last year, okay? 
when Jameis was where he lost twice, seven straight times, not including the playoffs, obviously, they're coming in here and bitch slapping us in our house. You're going to shut out the Buccaneers in here in their house on national TV? The Saints do not respect the Buccaneers anything like anybody else does. And the Saints treat the Buccaneers that way. They really do. Jenkins was all up in Gronk's business. They're all up in Brady's face. They do not respect Tom Brady. They don't. They, why would they? I don't believe Tom Brady's ever beaten the Saints. I think he's 0-4. So why would they respect him? In the Trenches with Ian Beckles can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.